Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Looking to throw. Harris, here comes a lot of pressure. Brother King, he's going to run. Gets away from one. Slips out of another. Right down the middle. He's got the first down at the 40. He's at the 35. He's to the 30 of Alabama Birmingham. That brought down De'Ara King. A magic man slips out of all kinds of trouble and picks up a first down for Miami. So they send a late dog, a late blitz. King dodges that, weaves his way down the field. That's a miracle worker. Bobbing and weaving, De'Ara King will probably get a good dose of that on Saturday night. Welcome to our show, everybody. Brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership Josiaki Don Bailey Jr. for the next hour talking about University of Miami sports primarily tonight football soccer does get underway tomorrow ironically women's soccer will play Louisville tomorrow and uh, you know who will have that call Don Bailey Josiaki ladies and gentlemen <laughs> I got a double dip of Louisville this week then uh, some right. soccer tomorrow then Louisville uh, from Cardinal Stadium on Saturday night, 7.30, Miami and Louisville. Cardinals a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the game over the University of Miami. And uh, really looking forward to it. It's game day, so uh, Miami's going to get a lot of publicity on this one, as will Louisville. Cardinals have done a good job putting their team together. What are some of the, uh, as we get halfway now, we're at the halfway point, what are some of the uh, battlegrounds you're looking at in this one? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, Miami Run, Joe. I mean, when, when you when you when you look at what's going on with Louisville and how they run their offense, you know, in that outside zone and that play action doesn't work unless that's running, and the tight end doesn't seem to work quite as well when that thing's not running, and and, and Tutu Atwell doesn't have any help by freezing the linebackers or tying up the safeties. It's 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 all about stopping this run, and you know that sounds redundant, but they do not start with the pass. They start with running the football. They seem to be, from what I saw in game one, they seem to be very, you know, heavily right-handed on it. And there's some things that they they show in, in a sense that's going to let you know what they're going to do. But I, if you, if, if fans look at this and think that uh, Louisville it was overrated in the preseason poll when they were picked sixth to finish, I mean fourth in the ACC, and Miami was uh, picked sixth offensively, uh, I think the people are pretty darn close. I think they've got a very, very, very 
productive and explosive offense. Now, how much did the defense improve? That's uh, that's what we got to find out. Yeah, I, I think their foundation is we're going to run the ball until you can stop it. And you don't stop it. We're just going to keep running the same thing over and over. However, if uh, they're doing a show in Louisville, they're talking about De'Ara King. And, you know, I think at this point for the University of Miami, the strength is going to be also running the football until the passing game catches up. You know, Joe, to, you know, and, and this is not what anybody wants to hear, but I, I'm happy running for 337 yards. I'm happy with uh, having th- three backs or really four backs. If you look at the statue, but three very productive backs, you know, Cameron Harris, why do you want to go away from him? 17 carries, 134 yards. He had a long run of 66 yards. The guy in, in, in uh, game one, he's averaging almost eight yards a carry. What do you got to look for something new? And, yes, Derek King, we, he's here to, to run, uh, be able to throw the football as well. And fans have been told that Mark Pope and Harley and Wiggins are, are up to par for this. Well, I say if your running game's working, stay with it. And uh, to try and force a throw because we think that that's what needs to be done or that needs to create some balance, I'm not necessarily in tune for it. If the stat sheet tells you you won time of possession and you, you rushed for you know top ten numbers in the history of the school in recent history and you won the football game, I, they're going to have to stop the run for me. That's what I'm going to see. They're going to have to stop the run. Well, I think uh, as time goes on, uh, the passing game will be okay. I think the passing game concepts that Coach Lashley has brought with him are are very creative, but I, I think that we have to also put into perspective that there was no spring football, and uh, you had, I don't know what we had for training camp, four weeks of training camp, so uh, you got to spend the last eight days of training camp uh, zeroing in on, on your opponents, your first opponent, so uh, I think that passing game requires a lot of repetition in the, in the pitch and catch department. And I do think it will be creative and explosive at some point. I just don't know exactly when that's going to be. Well, I mean, you're 100% correct. But the thing that you, I don't think anybody's picked up on or we haven't talked enough about was that when you and I talked to Coach Diaz um, after the ball game, and then you and I have spoken to him uh, a couple times after, is that UAB changed defenses from what Miami studied for. So Miami has basically two weeks of prep, game prep for UAB. And how they prepare for games now is they went back and looked. I'm, they looked back. As soon as they found out it was UAB, they went back as far as they can go, studied everything, plugged it into the view, got all the tendencies, did everything, and then you start developing your game plan. Well, you go out in your first series, and UAB does nothing, nothing, like they say they're going to do. So now, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new starters, new this, new that. You've got to come to the line, come to this bench, and go. Oh my God, guys! Everything we talked about for two weeks, let's throw it out the window. Corey Gaynor, what do you see? John Campbell, what do you see? Uh, Usman, what do you see? Jared, what do you see? Derek, what do you? See? You go down the list of, of of what do you see or what do you hear or what do you think. Then Lashley's got to communicate with the box, put everything together again, and come back out. That's why I think you saw such a powerful third quarter is they were able to push their way through the first half and then make all the adjustments, and you got to give them credit for that, and then, and then they exploded. 
I think uh, as this unfolds, um, they have some pretty good brain power here. Coach Lashley was in the SEC at Auburn. Not much he hasn't seen, right? I mean, he saw, had to see every defense imaginable toss his way from the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Floridas and the Tennessees. And Coach Likens was a uh, was Miami's wide receiver coach, was a uh, offensive coordinator as well at Arizona State. So he's seen about everything that – uh, the USC's and the UCLA's of the world and Oregon and Oregon State's and Arizona's can throw at you. And Coach Justice was also an, an offensive coordinator. So you have right. three offensive coordinators running this offense. I think uh, they've got enough brain power and creativity, but eventually you got to pare it down. You can only really run what your guys execute. And I, I do think it's going to be uh, – we're going to take some steps in this thing. But I think the potential is there to really – uh, have a uh, an outstanding offense. I agree with you, and I think there's a chemistry amongst those three guys, Coach Likens, Coach Justice, and Coach Lashley, because they all have roots uh, from from whether all the way back to being a player uh, to today with this style of offense. It's not one. It's not one coordinator coming in and dictating. It's it's a, the whole side of the football has a relationship to this offense. So it makes it a lot easier for everybody to communicate and to judge any team um, that they are what you saw in week one is a huge mistake. Now, a week from tonight, we're going to be talking about Miami, Florida State. I certainly don't think that this Florida State team that we saw against Georgia Tech that got beat 16-13 is going to be the same Florida State team that Miami sees here at Hard Rock Stadium in 10 days. I think they're going to be a lot better. I think they're going to understand what's expected. And the same thing goes down the list. Now, the only team that I think came out um, looking at a a darn near championship level was Clemson. And we, you know, we hit on that pretty hard last night on, on why that was the case. And they've got a lot of talent and they've got a lot of depth and they've got the same coaching staff and they won a lot of games. We, uh, we've talked about the Miami wide receivers a lot and, I don't. I don't. I don't mean to beat up on on Mark Pope. I'm not going to beat up on him, but he's got all that speed, and they've got him in there as a, you know a first team wide receiver, and everything imaginable is built into this offense to make it very friendly. And so uh, he's a guy that could change the scoreboard on Saturday uh, by either a just getting open or catching and running. He's got the skill set, and as I mentioned, they've made it very friendly for him to uh, change the scoreboard? Well, they have, and it, it's very friendly for all of them. And I, and I think that's one of the beauties of this offense that has me intrigued is, you know, you're starting three last week and we'll be again this week. We're, we're Harley, Pope, and Wiggins. And um, there's an opportunity for everybody to get open. There's an opportunity for everybody to make plays. But they roll a lot of receivers. You know, you're, you're going to see Jared Payton. You know, I, I was at practice uh, today, and, you know, that uh, Keyshawn Smith keeps getting better, and, and so does Warsham. I think those guys are young, and they're going to develop, but they're, they're, they're gaining experience. They're gaining depth at the receiver spot, but eventually it's going to boil down to targets and catches. And if you're getting targeted as a receiver, no matter which one you are, and you're not making catches – then they're going to find someone that can catch the targets. So, and 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 that's what's going to happen. But you know, we can we can go around the receiver room again and again and again. I also think you know we saw flashes of Brevin Jordan 
He had three catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. You know, and and he's a guy that that last year was number two in receptions at 35. I all expect him to be at 50 receptions. Or let's just do it this way. I expect the tight end room to be at 60 or 70 or 80 catches this year. And unfortunately, Will Mallory didn't have any catches, but my goodness, did he do a great job blocking. That's good to hear because I thought that was his weakness. Now he has 24, 25 career catches. He's one of our favorite guests on on the show. Uh, but I think he could catch 25 passes in you know half a season. He's that talented. Uh, so I, I would like to see uh, him become more of a factor in the passing game. It also gives him a big target. I think King knows how to use the big target. It's like basketball. When you got a tall guy, you throw it up to him. You don't throw it down around his knees. And uh, Derek King, I think he knows how to throw the, throw the ball to Will Mallory. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll see it in the red zone. Perhaps uh, it becomes a big red zone threat for Miami as the season wears on. Well, I can tell you in year one and year two, Brevin Jordan was far and away ahead of Will Mallory. Will Mallory has closed the gap. He's found the weight room. Um, he, he's gotten a lot bigger. He's gotten a lot stronger. I was noticing him today at practice, and you talk to Coach Freely, the strength and conditioning coach, and you know he, he glistens when you talk about Will Mallory and what he's done. And So Will has worked himself uh, into another level. He's starting to look like the tight end. He had a key block on the long uh, fourth down run, and then he was downfield on another run blocking. And this young man is is becoming more and more prototypical of what you want as a tight end. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, the 270 pound guy, but he certainly can run, and he's certainly going to get himself. If you know he comes back next year, he can have a great senior year. But I'm with you. You know, he, he's getting he's becoming more of a, a do it all type tight end, but is a nice big target and we saw many times in camp how he and King were able to were able to hook up. You see the uh, Big 10 is back. They're going to play now late October. Uh they got a I don't think they've released their schedule just yet, but they're going to play it looks like an eight game season uh into December with no bye weeks. They're going to line it up and and they're going to let it rip. Well, I think it's I think it's good for all the college football. You know, the more the more teams that are playing, the, the more normal life will get in the United States of America. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into to what took them so long. You know, every every conference and every league and every team has got to go through what they feel is is the right protocol. And uh, I'm glad to hear that they're doing that. Uh, I think you know an eight game season is is the best they can do, and they'll get their people in the stands, and there's going to be however many they're going to allow, but it's going to be an awful cold season. Uh, fortunately for, for that area of the country, most of those guys grew up in that area, but uh, they're going to be, what, all of November and basically uh, in the, up until the middle of December. Yeah, I think they'll have a, a couple of games in December. Uh, a lot of people want a, uh expanded playoff with games on campus in December. We might get a dose of what that's like in December in the Big Ten, but uh, listen, they're going to try to play eight. Uh, ACC is going to try to play 11. Uh, we're crossing our fingers every week that we go out. So far, so good. Uh, Miami's going to line up right now as we stand on Saturday night against the Louisville Cardinals. We're looking forward to that. ACC got a good slate of games on Saturday as well. Uh, so, And then uh, the SEC, they're two weeks away. 
uh, well, less than two weeks now away from kicking things off. And uh, once they kick it off in the Big Ten, uh, we'll have uh, four of the top five conferences playing college football. Yeah, and and you know it's going to be it's going to be interesting how everybody navigates this. I, I'm again, you know, very proud of what we, we've accomplished at the University of Miami and in the ACC. And I think at the end of December, we're going to have a, a tremendous amount of input and knowledge and understanding on what is the exact perfect model or the or as close to perfect as you can get. And uh, everybody's still kind of going through what they feel is right with their fingers crossed. And so far it's working. And, you know, you got, you got some big games, Joseph, in the, in the ACC. You've got, you know, big for Miami. You've got a, This is a huge game. I hope people realize how good Louisville is. And I hope people realize how exciting this is going to be. And, and don't think because you threw six touchdowns last year against them that that's just going to be the gimme for this year. This defense of theirs is, is is far far and improved over what you saw last year and uh i i think the offense is is even more sophisticated you know the quarterback is more comfortable and the receivers could the receivers could start here the running back that they have could help us here and uh this quarterback if, if the throw was not there he certainly isn't afraid to pull it down and run it either Yep. All right, we'll get more about uh, Louisville. Paul Rogers, the voice of the Louisville Cardinals, he will join us from Louisville next as we continue on the show. So stay with us here on uh, Hurricanes Weekly. Coming up, a preview of the Louisville Cardinals from the voice of the Cardinals, Paul Rogers. That's coming up next. King. Hands it away, coming left side, Chain. he's got a hole at the 40, 45, he's the midfield, here we go, he's at the 40 of UAB, and Chaney's run out of bounds, he goes bursting into Blazers territory, all the way down to the 30-yard line. A quick one-cut move, and Chaney has his biggest run as a hurricane. Once again, the running game hits Miami going. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., welcome back to the show, brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Canes will be in Louisville Saturday night, 7.30. Our pregame will get underway at 3.30. And uh, we're going to bring on the outstanding play-by-play voice of the Louisville Cardinals, Paul Rogers. He'll be interested to know this if he didn't already see it. Breaking news from the NCAA. College basketball season will begin on November the 25th. NCAA says college basketball, uh, November the 25th will be the start date a 27-game season, so they're going to chop off, I think, four games. Uh, but looks like we're going to have a college basketball season that will start Thanksgiving weekend. Paul Rogers is with us from Louisville. Paul, good evening. How are you? Doing good, Joe. Thanks for the news. I, I had not heard that. I knew that was sort of the general time frame they were looking at. Uh, I'm glad to know they got a date now. And anytime I look at the basketball schedule, I just want to know if we get to come to Miami sometime in the winter. <laughs> well, we, we enjoy going to the Yum Center. That's one of the great spots, one of the great venues. I don't know if we'll have fans or not this year, but it is one of the great venues. And, of course, before we jump into uh, uh, football, uh, you guys always have a great basketball team. and had a, a great team last year, but um, uh, got short-circuited because of the virus. Yeah, wasn't that just the weirdest time when we were all in Greensboro and uh, Louisville was getting ready to play? They had the double bye. And we were uh, that morning uh, getting ready to go to practice. That's where I record my pregame show with Coach Mack. Um, and 
you know, things were beginning to fall apart, but you didn't know what was going to happen. And all of a sudden they called a halt to everything. And I remember the, I've told many people this story. Our plane flight back from there was probably the saddest flight I've ever been on in my life. Way worse than losing. It just, it was the most empty, hollow feeling. And uh, unfortunately, we're still kind of struggling, although we're, we're showing signs of life here. At least we got a football season going for now. Okay, so we got a big game coming up on Saturday, and uh, both these teams, uh, as we sit here on a Wednesday, have done a really nice job, a remarkable job of getting uh, to their first game. We're halfway to the second game, but it appears that for the most part, uh, both teams, their players, have really taken this seriously and put themselves in a position to play. Yeah, Louisville's done a really good job, um, and there's probably a certain amount of luck involved, but I know they got on this really early on, and their medical staff has been so on top of things, and the players have bought into it. Uh, you know, they haven't put them in jail, uh, but they've made it clear, look, guys, if you're going out to a party, you're just going to jeopardize yourself and your teammates and plan this season. So anything you do, just be very careful in doing it. And so far they've done it. And, uh, you know, the, the conference has their protocols and so do the schools. And, and fortunately, so far, from Louisville's standpoint, uh, they fared quite well. Uh, normally, the University of Miami would be rolling into Louisville. Uh, big game. I think the last time we were there, it was uh, a blackout. Uh, what will the uh, what's the protocol for this one? Is it twelve thousand fans? They're limiting it to twelve. They actually had a little less than that Saturday night. I think it was eleven thousand eight hundred or so. Uh, game day is coming here, as I'm sure you know, but I don't know how exciting that will be because you can't have your uh, crowds of people hanging around waving their signs and the like. But it'll add a little bit of atmosphere. Uh, you know, the, the, the fans who were there were enthusiastic, but it's just not the same. I mean, you don't have the extensive tailgating. You don't have the band marching on the field. You don't have the cheerleaders. Um, and I would assume you found it this way. Once the game got going the other night, I found myself in a pretty normal rhythm with my broadcast crew and with the mechanics of the game. But it's really just kind of the whole atmosphere around it leading up to it and so forth is just so much different. The protocols of getting into the stadium uh, you can't have a sideline reporter. Uh, so it's it's a different environment for sure. But once the game got going, it felt pretty normal. Yeah, a little, a little bit different. Uh, but uh, this is what we have, so I'm more than happy to take it uh, this year. Paul Rogers, the voice of the Louisville Cardinals, is with us. Meanwhile, on the field, uh, Louisville finished strong last year. Scott Satterfield, this will be the third time the University of Miami has seen him in like four years. He was the head coach at App State. Uh, he's put together and is, is known for – uh, being able to run the football really well. But not only does Louisville run the ball well, you've got some really good weapons on the perimeter uh, perimeter that produce some big plays for you, or a lot of big plays. Yeah, yeah, that's been the really interesting thing. When he came here last year, everybody knew his history with running the football. He's had at least one 1,000-yard rusher every year. I think one year at App State he had two. Uh, and I think people got a little bit of the wrong impression that this guy's going to just run the football. Well, he does. He wants to, and everything's predicated on that. But they run it and run such an, an innovative and creative offense as what happens is it opens up these huge plays in the passing game. They had another 70-yard touchdown pass the other night. They've had tons of these big plays. They had three, four scoring drives, I believe, last week of at least 85 yards, two of them were over 90. Um, they have explosive speed at receiver and running back to two at well, you may remember from last year and JV and Hawkins, and they've added another 
a wickedly fast receiver, Braden Smith, his first game last week, he had four catches for 110 yards. So it, it is predicated on running the football effectively, but what that has done is it has opened up these big plays through the passing game. So it's been a, a terrific offense. Now defensively, certainly they struggled last year. You, you saw maybe their worst defensive game. Uh, when we were down there and kind of took a thumping, 52-27. to 27. Jaron Williams looked like an All-American that day. Um, but Louisville does have a, a fair amount of defensive talent back, and, and most importantly, they have the same defensive coordinator back from last year. Louisville's players had played four straight years with a different defensive coordinator, so it was kind of like starting over every year. Now this year they're finally in a situation where they can pick up uh, where they left off last year. Paul Rogers, the voice of the Louisville Cardinals, with us as we preview Miami and Louisville on Saturday. As the Hurricanes roll in there, what would be uh, a concern that Louisville might have regarding the University of Miami? Well, the obvious one, uh, Derek King, the great uh, dual-threat quarterback uh, that came there. Come run, Harris had the big running game last week. Uh, so I, they're always going to be trying to stop the run and, and contain King. Uh, that's you know he's known for breaking the plays with his run, but but we know he can throw it as well. I mean Lamar Jackson fought that stigma all his career. Oh, he's just a runner. Well, no, he could throw it pretty well too, and I know Derek King can as well. So I, I think that's probably the main concern. And then uh, you know the, the what Miami did defensively certainly was respectable against. Uh, uh, UAB last week holding them under 100 yards rushing and uh, 300 yards total. So, uh, you know, they're going to be looking at that too. And Quincy Roach has made quite an impact coming in and actually both your ends when, when uh, Phillips came in from UCLA and Roach from Temp- Temple uh, made their presence felt the other night. And Louisville knows where those guys are going to be. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing this matchup. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I'm glad both teams are uh, getting an opportunity uh, to be on national TV. Coach Satterfield, I, I, you know, comes from Appalachian State, had a good reputation. I don't know if he was on the radar or not. And you mentioned uh, fans trying to warm up to to uh, his run game. But this guy's always won. I, I think he's uh, seems to be a very focused guy who, who really understands what, what his identity or what his program wants. He, he, I guess what I'm trying he wants to know, he knows what he wants his program to look like. He does, and and he the players just just love his coaching style. I mean, he's intense. So don't get me wrong, and, and they coach hard, but they really coach in a positive frame of mind. The the joy, the most fun about last year was watching the complete 180 degree change from the year before, where these guys just looked like they were miserable and and played that way. And as soon as Satterfield came in, he he admitted these guys needed some love. <laughs> Some tough love at time, but they needed some love, and and they created a an environment and, and a togetherness that this team really brought into, and and they have great fun together. They have these legendary locker room celebrations that are a blast to watch uh, after games. And uh, when he was named the coach, a lot of people didn't know a lot about him. And, and uh, at the time, Louisville was looking hard at Jeff Brom, the former Louisville player who was the coach at Purdue, and. When Jeff decided, no, he wasn't quite ready to leave Purdue, it left a lot of people disappointed. But then after Satterfield came here and they saw what he was doing, a lot of people thought, you know what, maybe this should have been the first choice all along. So the fans here are really pleased with what they've seen with Coach Satterfield. All right, so I'm really speeding here. But if we do get to a basketball season, they say it's going to be the 25th, how good will Louisville be this year? 
Well, they got some question marks. I mean, they lost some really good people off last year, guys like uh, Jordan War and, and Stephen Enoch, but they, they do have uh, so you missed some young players, particularly um, uh, uh, well, good grief, I'm so focused on football, I've just gone blank on everybody on the basketball team, but they brought in a couple of grad transfers as well. And uh, they'll be a contender. I, I imagine when all is said and done, you know, Duke's going to wind up being a, a preseason favorite. I, I know I think Miami and Florida State, or Florida State in particular, are going to be highly regarded. I think Louisville will probably be in the in the top third or so. So I'm I'm, I'm eager for the season. I'm I'm a little wary of it. I, I I can't imagine we're going to play it with many, if any, fans. And and I'm not even sure about our position. I'm wondering if they might want to keep uh, the broadcasters off the floor and broadcast from elevated positions. What you do in some arenas anyway, but yeah. uh, in our place and at your place and in most places, we're still on the floor. And I'm wondering if they might want to. Uh, move the broadcasters up off the floor. I think those are all things that are going to be worked out in the next couple of months. Yeah, we might have the whole arena to ourselves. All right, before I let you go, what was more strange, uh, the Louisville football game with 12,000 fans or, or the Kentucky Derby? That didn't have anybody, right? <laughs> yeah, that was very strange, too. As a matter of fact, I did not go. They allowed very limited media, uh, a few uh, ownership connections. So that was my first derby in 52 years that I have not uh, worked or attended. Uh, I did get to go to my first derby party, which was kind of fun, but uh, I did miss it. Yeah, that was a the people I talked to when I told people I was really disappointed I wasn't there. Uh, their response was, "Well, don't be too disappointed because it just really was not the derby. It didn't feel like it at all. It was a terrific horse race, but but there just wasn't much uh, fun and festivities around it. So that's that's the times we're in these days, and hopefully in a in a, uh, within the next year we'll be out of it and back to normal." All right, Paul, thanks for joining us on the show. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you in Louisville on Saturday. I'd like to say we'll see you Saturday, but uh, we'll have a different kind of connection set up. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was going to say the same thing. I, I'm sorry I won't be seeing you, but uh, glad to talk to you, Joe. All right, take care. Appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. All right, that's uh, Louisville, University of Louisville, uh, play-by-play voice Paul Rogers joining us on the show. Don Bailey Jr. Uh, rejoins us here momentarily. Payton goes to the right side. Wiggins wide to the left. King on the ground for Knight. He cuts back to the right side. He's got the 20-yard line. Here we go. He's to the 15. He's to the 10 outside the numbers. And puts out inside the 10-yard line. Jalen Knighton gets loose for a big game for the University of Miami. 22 yards for Knighton. Joe Knighton in high school was used to scoring on that play. Nobody could have caught him. And a lot, a lot, a lot of credit goes to Jeremiah Payton. He's the reason that Miami picked up additional yards by his downfield blocking. Kings will need Knighton and Cheney and Cameron Harris on Saturday night against Louisville. Welcome back to our show. Brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. They might have some uh, speed in the backfield that they haven't had in the last couple years. We'll see. I'd like to see uh, Knighton break one of those all the way to the end zone or Cheney. I think both those guys very capable of doing that. Yeah, Joe, I think uh, uh, the backfield has certainly been upgraded. We're also glad to see Robert Burns get some playing time. He's a guy that was dinged up all during training camp, actually been that way for his, his high school, last part of his high school career and all the time he's been in college. But, you know, Jalen Knighton is, uh, he's a big play waiting to happen. And Chaney is a little bit of a change of pace guy, a little bigger, of course, a little, uh, stronger and maybe not quite uh, the high-end speed, but he certainly 
has the ability to make people miss and is an, it is, has his own type of explosiveness. I mentioned earlier uh, the Big Ten is going to come back here in October. So uh, the season started. Ohio State was ranked, I think, number two or number three. I think it was number two. Then they couldn't be ranked because they weren't going to play. Now the argument, I suppose, will be, well, you might have one team is, uh, I don't know, 10-1 and one and some team 8-0. How they uh, balance that out, but uh, those I think will all be good arguments to have. It'll make it great for us. Yeah, be <laughs> all great these arguments. conversations. Yeah, I mean, you're you, you did your talk show for many, many, many years, and uh, it's going to make for great radio and great TV. And but at the end of the day, I guess really the big uh, the big pressure is going to come on a selection committee to decide who, are, who the final four are on and how to play and who should play for, for a national championship. And, and I'm with you. If, you know, if it's a 10 and one team versus an eight, no team or a, a nine and two team versus a, a, a seven and one team, that's uh, going to have to be left up for the expert, but I'm sure this will be, this will be a year where there'll be a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation. Yeah. I think I should correct my, I think it's nine, nine games in nine weeks is what they're going to try to pull off. But uh, the national championship game, of course, is here. We have the Orange Bowl game and the national championship game. What a year uh, to have both. Uh, unfortunately, hopefully things clear up so that uh, maybe there will be fans. I don't know where we're going to be in December. We can only cross our fing- fingers December or January. All I know is that when the Super Bowl was here in February, it was an absolutely good uh, stunning week it was absolutely beautiful uh the game came off great and uh you know me i don't think there is a better place in the country to have these big game uh, big games than right here in our backyard and we're gonna have two of them uh i don't know what it's gonna look like but we might have a big 10 team in there ohio state's supposed to have a national championship caliber squad well that, that they are and uh you the orange bowl we can spend a moment on that they have done forever the perfect job right? i mean it's just every every single time uh it gets better and better and better and i'm sure uh through conversations with them that they've that that committee has been looking at um model after model after model and uh, everybody's got their fingers crossed that they have an opportunity to to put as many people in in that uh in the hard rock as they can and come off with a, an outstanding venue for what will be, I'm sure, no matter what, by that time of the year, Joe, it's going to end up being a great game no matter who it is. Meanwhile, on Saturday, Miami and Louisville uh, from Cardinal Stadium, we've talked a lot about trying to stop this Louisville run game and get a good beat on 2-2 Outwell and, and all of that stuff. Uh couple of guys on the Miami defense and sometimes guys flash early and all of a, and you know it continues on a couple of years ago uh, that was Gerald Willis there were a lot of question marks around Gerald Willis and we watched him in training camp and Willis went through an entire training camp missed only one practice and then had a heck of a season for Miami and and maybe maybe that's going to be Nesta Silvera I thought he had a pretty good training camp and then opened up against UAB with a really strong game he really did, Joe, and he jumped off the, the the tape when I was watching him. And you know, he he played about thirty thirty five plays last week, um, and he and he showed great energy. You know, the thing that impressed me is he made some tackles behind the line. Coach Diaz uh, talked about that on his show and and kind of highlighted him with that. But the way that he chased the football, and you, you can see now 
why the guy was so heavily recruited. You know, he has that quickness. He's not, he's, you know, he's, he's a legit 6'2", 300, 305 pounds. He's not, he's not an oversized guy like John Ford, but he, he's got such great quickness and he's got lateral movement. But when you see a guy chase the football like he did, uh, good things are going to happen because he's going to catch somebody from behind. He can cause a strip. He can come up with a fumble. But he he had five tackles, and this is a guy that had 19 last year. So in, in game one of the season, he had more than 25% of the production he had for the entire year last year. Miami and Louisville on Saturday, 7.30 kickoff. Uh, one of the things you got to do is contain the quarterback for them, Cunningham, and one way to do that is surround him with your defensive ends. And Miami has two good ones, Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips, and then two more behind them. Uh, those two guys or those four guys could play a very important role in this game Saturday night with their pass pressure, pass uh, pass rush. You know, they can, Joe, but I think it's going to be important for them also to contain Cunningham. Um, if Miami's able to get that push from Silvera and Ford and, and, and whether Jordan Miller or, or, or Hunt, if he's able to get that some push in there, these guys may pick up some sacks, meaning Roche and Phillips and, and Williams and, and, and Harvey, because he's going to get flushed out. And Miami is so athletic on the edges that they may just push the, push the quarterback right into being sacked. And it's going to also have to do with the fact if Miami can, can cover these receivers up because, you know, this 2-2 Atwell is, is absolutely outstanding. And Fitzpatrick was almost equally as productive uh, last year as far as um, touchdowns go. And uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. But one, one thing a quarterback can't do, he cannot complete a pass if he's laying on his back. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is a game where uh, you look at it and say, okay, your reputation is uh, as a defensive team, turnover chain, sacks and uh, tackles for losses, all that has to come into play. you got to put these guys behind the chains, and you got they're very confident. Hell, the other night they were third and nine a bunch of times and, and still got first downs and big plays, but – uh, you got to make it hard on them. You got to make it, make them earn it. You got to put them behind the chains. And uh, I don't know if, if it's gambling on first down or not, but you got to get into the backfield and create negative plays on first down. Yeah, you do. And, you know, you're not going to, unfortunately, no matter how many negative plays you have, you're not going to take the confidence away from Cunningham, the quarterback who's in his uh, fourth year. He's a, red, he's a redshirt junior, and Atwell's a junior, and Fitzpatrick's a in his fifth year, and uh, Hawkins is uh, is in his third year, the, the running back out of Titusville. And, you know, they've got a heck of a return game, too, with Hassan Hall. Uh, this guy was a, a third-team all-ACC player in the return kickoff return game. So you they match up extremely well against Miami. When you think about the amount of speed that they bring, Louisville brings in against the University of Miami, they think they can win every foot race that uh, – that's on board. Well, we're halfway there. It's Wednesday night, uh, approaching 7 o'clock. Uh, we got to get through Thursday and Friday, and then we got football on Saturday. So we'll cross our fingers. Everybody's going to be healthy enough to go play. It looks that way right now. So uh, that's good. I'm excited about it. I'll see you on Saturday when we get ready for uh, Miami and Louisville. We got a 3.30 pregame show. We'll break it all down, and then we're going to kick it off at 7.30, and I think we're going to have a wild game, to be quite honest with you. Oh, I think it's going to be college football at its best. 
All right. I'll see you on Saturday. Okay, That's, Joseph. Uh, have a good day. All right, Don Bailey Jr. with us. Thanks also to Paul Rogers, Dan Day, our producer. Uh, we have University of Miami women's soccer. They open up tomorrow at Cobb Stadium. We'll have that one for you on uh, ACC Network Extra. But then on Saturday, right here on WQAM, Miami and Louisville, 730 kickoff. Hope you'll join us for the Canes and the Cards. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a great night, everyone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.